Low Down with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's Twang Tuesday. What a great song. Man. That's the good stuff right there. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. Say hi to Doug and we say hi to Mary. You always fade the song down when I want to hear it. Why do you do that? No, sorry. I yeah, I try to you know fade it down to give you enough time to to give the big booming intro. But that, with ones like those, I really should let them play. Well, that I would have let play the whole damn song. Also, Connor was here. My headphones were off, so I couldn't hear it. I was just kind of going off. What the hell with Connor? I he you know he's got he's got some stuff he wants me to do. I'm happy to help, but uh, I mean on Twang Tuesday of all days, what are we doing here? Stuff he wants you to do. Are you doing are you doing his bookkeeping for him? What are you doing here? Oh, just a little bit of recording. Nothing too crazy. We make it work. I don't know what to do with you two. Going to have to put you in your separate rooms. Um, this will come as such a positive. Um, so the report... I get this right because this is significant. Um, I want to. I want to get before I start rambling on about this. I want to make sure that all my ducks are in an order, and the order is the right order. So, BBC is reporting that a man arrested on suspicion of manslaughter after the death of Nottingham Panthers ice hockey player Adam Johnson. I've seen conflicting reports on it. Um, so apparently that is proceeding, but I don't. I'm not absolutely certain if he's been arrested or whatever the case may be. Indicted, obviously, different word, but um, Hockey Canada has made a ruling. On its own punishment. The players have appealed, so that means a gag order. I know you're not thrilled, but that does happen. It is the way that justice works. It's it's not a bad thing, and if you were in that position, you would feel that way. However, I understand you do want to know, and it's fair that you know. But this is this is the due diligence that, that uh, our justice system allows. Generally speaking, I think it's a good thing. Uh, Jason Greger is reporting that Dylan Holloway is out for an extended time, for quite a while. And with him out, Connor Brown has uh, lined up with, or did line up today, with James Hamblin and Raphael Lavoie on the fourth line. Derek Ryan moved up to the third line spot, where Holloway would be, with Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogle. My own feeling, with Gagne, Hyman, Ryan, and Brown now on right wing, either there's a shuffle or there could be a trade or a recall. Um... Yeah. No Holloway, no Yanmark. Yanmark hasn't played in a while, and I do wonder if he's going to go on LTIR. That would solve a problemo if he did, I think. Leon Drysaddle got fined for the... Did you see that nasty little bit of business he did with Bo Horvat? Of course, of course. Now, see, sometimes I thought you were, that was another one of those situations. I thought you were asking the uh, text line. No, I was talking about it with my friends a little bit, and one guy said he, it just looked like a cross check to the bomb. And I was like, man, what are we doing here? That was clearly to the back of the knees. It was chippy. Yeah. I think he was slew footed earlier in the play, yeah. so it was a retaliation oh, no, penalty. No, but Leon, Leon fights back. Oh, absolutely. He's yeah. got a he's got a bit of a nastiness to him. Oh, he's 
look, he's he is a man, and he is going to make you pay. And you know, uh, he's a little filthy, and I don't mind. Like I'm, I'm, I, I I'm sorry. I know that people want me to say, you know, that it's not okay. And I, look, just count the number of things that were done to Connor McDavid. Include the play by Philly that cost him his Rookie of the Year award. You know, this is not a game for it's. We're not playing checkers here. It's not a game for the weak and fragile. Yeah, and I don't want to alienate any Oilers fans here, but I thought a fine was more than justified. I, I thought, thought he might have been suspended. Yeah. That so you a, thought it was? I thought a suspension no. might have been a little much, but I think a fine for that is more than justified. Right to the back well, of the knees. They like to punish the Oilers, so I thought there might have been a. Well, um, uh, defenseman Thomas Harley was hit. Um, pretty vicious hit too. That also, I think, could have been. Uh, panel, uh, uh, suspension was not. I believe it was also a fine. It's a nasty, nasty league. Dustin Wolf has been sent down. Lots going on. The I don't know if you look. Did, do, do people still look at the standings? Is that is that something that people like to do? Look at the standings to say where the owners are. Or are you just waiting for them to win a few more before you do? Because it can be painful. I get it, but we should update you because. You know, they're, they are edging closer. Um, they're one point behind Calgary. They're in second to last place. They're, they're well clear of San Jose, as one would expect. But the last wild card spot is St. Louis with 15 points in 13 games. The Oilers have nine points in 14 games. I would say revisit in five games, six games. When they're at game 20, see where the Oilers are. They need six points. Well, St. Louis gets none, that won't happen in the next, you know, five games. But over time, it will. I think they'll be in the playoffs. The problem is they're going to lose up so much torque, so much energy. You know, like Miss Pac-Man, you're always eating, you know. Do you like Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man? I always like Miss Pac-Man better. I think I like Pac-Man better because I never really truly pr- played it as an arcade game. Like, I would just play it on my what? computer. I would type in Pac-Man and play it on the home screen there. With what the, the hell? You were never in an arcade? I've been to an arcade, but I don't think I've ever really... I, I mean, I probably have, but it wasn't enough that I could fall in love with the game. You know? This is what I used to go... You know, the there was the... the, the you'd you'd uh, shoot down jet fighters, and then you'd play Pong, and then you'd play Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man. Then you'd play... There's, they used to have a driving one where you could actually use the, the, uh, although nobody had used any, all they used was the accelerator. And you could r- do, you know, race car driving. And then I would always go to the pinball. I was a pinball wizard. Uh, in Maidstone, they had two pinballs, pinball machines. And then they had, um, pool tables and bowling. And I made money off of all of them. I was good at pinball. I mean, I couldn't have made, you know, I couldn't have made it to Tommy levels, but I was good. I wasted my youth is what I'm telling you. My brother was out there getting jobs with local farmers and introducing himself to their daughters. I was just playing pinball like a fool, like a fool. But I had a good time. I thought the hack to Kulak's feet was quite dangerous too, yeah. The hockey is... Yeah. Love pinball, bought two pinball machines. Oh, it's a great game. Low Tide, everyone loves a story. It sells. The orders of the guy in the movie on top who loses everything that has to start a new business over a hard work and succeeds in the end. You'll see. Andrew the Eagles fan. 
That would be a great story. Taxi was by far the best pinball machine uh, to play, a must-to-play. I love them all. The storm is coming. Uh, Leon can afford a fine or a short suspension to buy some. Where the hell did that go? You're texting in too quickly there, folks. Um, is Hyman Ryan Smith 2.0? Love him. He's he. You know, there are elements to his game that are like that. Uh, Hyman's a smart player. I, I love watching him. I love watching Zach Hyman play hockey. He's one of those guys I'll remember forever. Um, forever used to have a lot more time attached to it, but I will remember Zach Hyman forever. Pinball, the hockey news, and some Vico. Perfect weekend. Well, you, damn straight it is. Then you ride your bikes, right, over to your friend's house and then get yelled at for putting your muddy shoes on the floor by his mom, uh, and then you go and listen to records. Yeah, that's it, baby. When will Holland have any accountability? You mean Ken Holland? Ken Holland's accountability is that he didn't get a new contract. He's done. Fini. Finn. End of story. Credits. I looked at the standings for the first time today. Couldn't help it. I am weak. Bobby Clobber. Now, there's a legend, Bobby Clobber. What is the definition of insanity? Need to drive it down to the players to change the culture by trading Nuge and Nurse. Yeah, there's a, a no-movement clause. I, I don't know that people understand it, but it exists. Any chance we could get Declare from the Sharks since we need scoring wingers? Or will it cost a first? I, I'm, I'm not sure what his contract is, but it would be plenty. Low Tide, how long would Skinner have to play to get above 900? How does the math work from Coach Mike? Well, it's it's it saves divided by total shots, so it's pretty easy to figure out. Um, Skinner, I he he's come along quite a ways, but he was a long way back too, right? Like he's had a his five on five the last three starts. I think about like 934, but he's at 876 right now. So he'll need a little, he'll need five more games, but he'll get above 900, I believe. And he, if he gets hot, then look out because that's exactly what they need. Holloway is a hot mess. He basically injured himself from Big Mac. He was coming on. I, I, I have hope for him as a player. I don't think he's going to score enough, but if Twang Tuesday puts you in a tight spot, the songs from Oh Brother Were Out There will keep your train. From R-U-N-O-F-T. I love that movie, and I love the songs in that movie. Go to Sleep, Little Baby, and... Uh, oh, it's great songs in that. Great songs. Do not seek the treasure! <laughs> Is that Sloth from Goonies? No. Oh, okay. That's from Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Do could've not fooled me. seek the treasure! Oh, man. Damn it. We're in a tough spot. The best scene ever, though, is where where um, George Clooney is in the market, and he wants Dapper Dan for his hair, the burl cream of the time. And they've got fop, and he doesn't want fop, damn it. 
Uh, careful, man, this is a public market. You know, this is a geographical oddity. Two weeks from everywhere. <laughs> oh, that's a funny movie. That's a funny, funny movie. He's bona fide. He's a suitor. <laughs> that's a great movie. That is a great, 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 great movie. Thank you, and well done for suggesting it. If Holland is done, why would you have him as GM at the trade deadline? Well, you don't know he's there at the deadline, and you certainly don't know that he's in charge of the deadline. You know, if the owner is paying a guy $5 million a year, I think he probably is loath to send him out and replace him. Just my opinion. JMO. But I think Jeff Jackson did the hiring. Based on what we saw yesterday or on Sunday, um, Ken Holland said he was talking to everybody, you know, getting the lay of the land from the, the the leadership group. And then Jeff Jackson says, no, I just hired him. So, I mean, putting two and two together and getting four, Ken Holland was checking the pulse and Jeff Jackson was proactive and did, did the deed. That's what happened. You know, I had a boss years ago and we would get into a uh, just a discussion, not even an argument. And he'd say, do you want do you want to show me your business card and I'll show you mine? And he was my boss. So what what he's saying basically is, yeah, we know how this is going to turn out. Why are we bothering talking about it? Ever tell you my Harry Neal story? Harry Neal had to fire Roger Nielsen, his head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. And he kept putting it off. He didn't want it. He really liked Roger and he thought the team could turn around. And... So he's in Minnesota watching the team. He's following the team, and he's going to have to fire him, but he doesn't. And he's in Minnesota, and it's the morning. He gets a phone call from uh, Arthur Griffiths, who's the owner. And he says, you got to fire him today, Harry. you got to fire him today. Be behind the bench tonight. Okay. Doesn't fire him. They play, and they lose. And he gets back to his room, and there's a call me from Arthur Griffiths. And Arthur Griffiths says to Harry, Harry goes, Hi, Arthur. He goes, You know, Harry, there's no reason two people need to lose this job over this decision. It matters what your role is. It matters what your title is. It matters who's above you and who's below you. And Jeff Jackson has the owner. I don't think he has Bob Nicholson. I know he doesn't have Ken Holland. He's got the owner. And he made the decision. That's my opinion. Go down to the river and pray. Great song. What those women did at the river. Oh, my God. Well, hell. I thought he was a toad. Um, so the message the core group of the orders are sending is once we disagree with the coach, we'll stop performing until the change is made. This happened four times already. No coach seems to have a shelf life here longer than two seasons. Not sending out a good message for the rest of the league from Butsy. Well, I, I really like Jay Woodcroft, but they were not winning games enough. And I didn't want to see him go. And I think it's a mistake to let him go. But I think that you got to give the new guy a chance. He's, his, his, his bona fides are really good. He's a suitor. Did Holland look up Knobloch in the guide and record book? Well, he was coaching the Hartford Wolfpack. I don't know he'd be in there. 
Low Tide, are you a man of constant sorrow? I think many denizens of Oilers Nation are these days. It's a great song. I like when they go to the radio station, too. That's really good. Damn, that's a good movie. I'm going to have to watch that. Have you ever seen Our Brother Wire Earth, though? You know, I haven't. Oh. And it's what I've always wanted to get around to. You so have it's to. something I think I would really enjoy. Yeah. I think I would really like it, but I just I haven't seen it yet. This there. place is a, a damn geographical oddity. Two weeks from everywhere. Oh, man, that's funny. That's funny. Damn it, we're in a spot. <laughs> and his wife, R-U-N-O-F-T. I truly believe coffee is the interim coach until the new coach picks his own staff. Well, that's been a rumor around here. Okay, 119. We're going to take a late break here, and we're coming back uh, and have another discussion of what you want to discuss, and then Daniel Nugent Bowman at 140. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Well, that's a big time, big time song on Twang Tuesday. We're driven by Wolf GMC Buick. We're joined now by our friend Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic, who was going to be late, but he's so damn efficient, he makes it on time. And we appreciate uh, the ma- You've been writing stories, it seems like, every hour on the hour out of necessity, sir. Are you are you ready for like a quiet week from the owners? Uh, that'd be nice. I feel like a robot a little bit, just like uh, <laughs> churning things out uh, on command or, or whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I guess it's kind of because because stuff's been happening. Um, last we spoke, uh, Jack Campbell had just been waived, and that seems like a month ago. That yeah. was only a week ago. Uh, where, where do you want to start today? I feel like we have a lot to cover. Well, I want to tell you, your McDavid piece to me is very compelling because, you know, these stories, Oilers fans are very passionate and doesn't take long for stories to get legs, even if they're not true. And uh, based on your reporting, uh, it feels like, you know, a lot of people think Connor McDavid's running the team now, and except Connor McDavid is telling everybody who listened that, that he was uh, as surprised as anybody about the coaching change. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, Connor McDavid doesn't say a lot that forcefully. You know, two or three times a year he will, and that yesterday seemed very kind of forceful to me. Um, as I put in the end of that piece, like, he's the type of guy to me that would play for, you know, a, a three-eyed, green-faced alien. If that's who he thought, if that's who, you know, was deemed to be the best person to uh, make his hockey team, the team that he played for, I should I should say more accurately, uh, the best quality and best Stanley Cup caliber team that could possibly be. He wants to win. He doesn't care who his his, uh, his coach is. He doesn't care who the general manager is, or uh, you know who his left line winger is, or whatever. As long as all those things are the best, you know, that they could possibly be in, in, in a way to make the team as good as they could possibly be. So um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening coincidentally here. Um, Jeff Jackson being brought in happened very suddenly in the summer. Uh, that was a move that was uh, made by Paul Coffey, now assistant coach, uh, but special advisor to the owner, Daryl Cates and, and Cates himself. And um, now he's got uh, his former junior coach that looks like, oh, it looks like we're bringing in another one of McDavid's, uh, somebody tied to McDavid, which is true. But that's not, you know, the way it was designed to be, at least in, in, in Connor McDavid's mind. I mean, um, uh, Jeff Jackson has a history with um, 
with Chris Knobloch. Uh, that's why he was hired. Um, and when it comes to Connor McDavid, I mean, go back to the end of April. Uh, after that Los Angeles series, he said Jay Woodcroft's the top five, top three coach in the league in his, in his mind. So uh, the leadership group seemed very, including Connor McDavid, seemed very surprised uh, by that move. Um uh, to fire Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manchin, I should say. And uh, I think they were, were pretty disappointed because uh, look at Jay Woodcroft's track record, uh, including this stretch. Um, in this bad stretch to start the season, he had a 643 points percentage. That's, I mean, uh, granted, this, you know, games weren't played the same as they were back in the 80s, but I mean, that's better than, than, than Glenn Sather. And um, for <laughs> Woodcroft to be, to be fired... Um, with just 20 more games on his uh, on his resume than, than Dallas Aikens, it really kind of shows uh, how quickly things turned and, and um, how suddenly a change was made. But uh, again, I don't think that was that was McDavid's doing. So this this three eyed green faced monster does does he coach in the ECHL or will we see him here soon? Uh, well, I don't want to. I, I got to be careful what I say. I don't want to disparage any type of fan base or anything like that. But um, if he or she, you know, or or whomever, if if that if that I was going to say person, I guess it wouldn't be a person. But if that thing exists, uh, sign sign it up, sign <laughs> sign it up to be Oilers coach if that's uh, if that's what it takes. But uh, I'll need to kind of dig in more on that one before I uh, before I come up with any names. You know, I, I'm always surprised because this, like, I I have been paying attention to Oilers fans for 20 years, and this this particular coach, Jay Woodcroft, is the first I recall um, leaving, and people are genuinely sad about it. Like, there, some are even worse than that. Some are outraged, but you know, uh, Jay Woodcroft and his kind of casual style and great, you know, uh, uh, care of his, his, his hair and, and, you know, uh, the, the way he presented himself. He was a, he was a, he was full of humor. He was full of goodwill. He wasn't arrogant. People genuinely liked him and he was very successful. This one hit close to home for the fans too. Yeah. I mean, he got, he got, he wasn't perfect like, like everyone. Um, um, there were some testy moments, uh, you know, during the playoffs with, with the media or, or even more recently on this last road trip. But um, no, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, um, I've always been a, a pretty big supporter uh, of Jay Roycroft. I'm not going to hide that. I mean, certainly there were things that he did that I didn't uh, agree with. Um, but uh, I mean, the track record speaks for itself. And I think people like this guy because he came in and, and got this team to win uh, so quickly when they were in the, the doldrums there a couple of years ago. And, um, for this team to have won three playoff rounds, um, you know, that quickly, <laughs> like he, he's one of the most successful coaches in the history of the franchise. So um, when you look at the way things have gone the last, the last uh, two years uh, before the start of this season, uh, I should say parts of two years, cause he only coached basically half a year, the one uh, where they went to the, to the, um, to the third round, but um, there's been nothing but success here. I, I think, Obviously, the Vegas series really seemed to kind of do a number uh, on this organization and, and, and kind of, I, I think, things changed a little bit for the coaching staff in terms of trying um, different systems, and it just didn't take quickly enough. But basically, he got fired on, I don't know, four terrible games. Yeah. Uh, they played 12. Uh, they probably should have won a couple more of those. Um, 
uh, you know, I know they they played 13, but he was really fired before the before the 13th one began, uh, and that oddly enough was their best game of the year in Seattle. Um, but uh, what was he fired because of? Obviously, like the rush chances uh, were glaring. Penalty killing was was not good enough. Uh, defensive zone coverage obviously needed some improvement too. He was fired because very simplistically. Um, they had the worst save percentage in the league, and at five on five, they were the, the second worst shooting per, had the sh- second worst shooting percentage. With a team like this, um, that was never going to remain the same. It was, but short sample sizes are what they are, and and uh, with this team in win now mode, with with McDavid and, and Leon Drysaddle where they are in their contracts, and the team where you know it was supposed to be, uh, they just didn't have or didn't feel like they had enough time to continue waiting. But I you know I think I have very little doubt. That if Jay Woodcroft had remained coach of this team, um, uh, things would have picked up dramatically. Now, uh, whether or not it would have gotten them into the playoffs, given the slow start, uh, it's hard to know. But but things would have improved. I, I have no doubt saying that. Daniel Nugent Bowman from the Athletic, our guest, he's right. By the way, uh, they, they, they they couldn't sustain simply because this team is too talented, and the shooting percentage and save percentage were off the rails. Uh, backup goalie. Anything like are they? They have to give Pickard a start on this road trip, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. They're playing every second day, which I mean, you know, obviously gives uh, the starter in this case, Stuart Skinner, rather uh, a, a little time to breathe. But you can't just keep piling games on top of uh, of them. So um, it seems, based on practice today, they're at the um, at their community rink, so it's a little tougher to read. But I. I thinks Skinner will start again and, and that's probably for good reason having allowed just two goals in the last two games and really seeming like he's starting to find it now um, but you're right I, I think uh, I haven't looked at the road trip because I'm, I'm actually not doing this one for once um, I, I don't know if they have a back-to-back you can correct me here Al um, but no. I, I would think at some no they don't eh? uh, at some point at some point you gotta you gotta play another goalie so um yeah it, it makes all the sense in the world to to get Stuart Skinner up and running you know look at the end of like Jay Woodcroft was on um at, at the end of the rope there and uh you, you're, you're not going to go if, if your job's in jeopardy you're not going to play uh a guy who hasn't been in the NHL in a few years and and now strictly a backup at the best case scenario in the NHL and you know Chris Knobloch walking in he's going to play as a starter too so it all it all makes sense why Skinner's got a bit of a run here um but eventually they will have to have to turn to pick or, or, or find somebody else uh, to give Skinner a bit of a rest. So the, the, the question I have, two-fold question here, it begins with Dylan Holloway's injury. Uh, he didn't return. It didn't look good. And uh, we're hearing reports that he's out for a time, uh, nothing specific. But that, will, that might impact with a recall, or do you think that Yanmark or Connor Brown are close enough? I, uh, yeah, it didn't look good. Uh, he didn't return. Uh, I do expect him to be out for a bit. Um, now, they're in a spot right now um, where, first of all, they have Connor Brown coming back shortly. Like, he's skating. He's skating hard with the group. He did practice on the fourth line, which which makes you think that, you know, with, with LeBlanc and, and Hamlin, which makes you think that it might be a little bit more time. But he said he's close. He looks close. I was watching him on a lot of off-day road pr- uh, practice or practices at skates. Um, where he went on after and he was pushing pretty hard. So if he's not back on uh, tomorrow um, against Seattle, I would expect him to be back very shortly. He'll definitely be on the road trip as he was the last one. Yeah, Mark, I think is further away. He hasn't been skating with the team here, hasn't skated with the team yet. Um, 
I don't have the cap information in front of me, and I'm, I'm have lacked sleep, so I'm a little hazy. But I I think they would have to play uh, shorthanded uh, for a game before they can make a recall. Uh, they're at the, obviously the, the 20 healthy bodies. They're capped out. So if Connor like I don't think Holloway is going to play tomorrow. If Connor Brown can't go in, I think they'll have to play you know 11 and six before they can make an emergency recall. Uh, I hope I have that right because I, no. I think that's that's the situation right now. I believe you are correct. I I wondered about Yanmark on LTIR. He hasn't played in a while. Do you think that's coming or is that is that just a distant bell? I mean, we're getting to that point. The thing I guess with with Yanmark is given how low his salary is, uh, he's a million. Bucks, I believe on the cap. Yeah. Um, you know, all it does is really allow you to call up a player anyway. It's not a huge savings, but yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, the last game was against the Rangers on November 26th, I think it was. So, um, yeah, we're getting close to the we're we're getting near and close to that like 10 game and 24 day mark that LTIR LTIR requires anyway. So. Um, if he's not back soon, uh, you should probably, you know, if you're if you're Ken Holland and, and management, you should probably look to do that. Um, but uh, again, his situation, given his cap uh, number, is one where um, it doesn't really present a big uh, incentive for the Oilers to do it anyway. So, I, I want to ask you this question. Oh boy. <laughs> don't hang up. <laughs> Don't don't hang. I, I, I promise. Won't, I won't. Okay, this is the. I promise you the last question. I want. You're, no, no, no. you're an insightful guy. So at the media avail, Ken Holland says uh, I talked to the leadership group. Uh, we were. I was in. You know, talking to them, and then they. The Jeff Jackson saying we didn't talk to anybody. We made the move. I uh, based on that, I feel like Jeff Jackson was going ahead and was proactive and and did his due diligence outside of Ken Holland and made the call. And Holland was was kind of. I guess monitoring the the pulse, but not directly related, or at least not specifically to a firing. Just kind of letting them, you know, vent and see how they feel. Is that fair, or am I just reading way too much into what was obviously a little bit of a disconnected media veil? I knew that one was coming. I knew this one was coming. <laughs> out. I was waiting for it. <laughs> um, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't at the avail because I was uh, I was flying back from Seattle. But I, obviously, I, I saw what happened and. Um, yeah, it didn't come off particularly great. Now, I think two things can be true, and I think you're on the right path. Um, Ken Holland is one of the more um, uh, connected GMs with this team. Like he goes on almost every road trip, and he uh, he's down and talks to the players a lot, and particularly um, is interested what what people um, in the leadership group and Connor McDavid obviously comes to the to the, the front of that, and we're back to the start of the conversation. Um, but so he'll, he'll take the pulse of the team. He'll listen to what those players have to say. They're the eyes and ears for the GM. They're the ones, uh, that play the most are the ones that get uh, you know, uh, have the most responsibility, um, both on the ice and off the ice. Um, you know, I've reported obviously that, that Connor McDavid wanted, um, Warren Fogel to stay, uh, and, and Ken Holland, uh, I don't want to say acquiesced, but he, he, you know, he listened and, and took that under advisement. And obviously, the relationship with Connor Brown got, got with McDavid got uh, got Connor Brown here. Um, there's a difference between that, though, and you know, going to, to Connor McDavid, uh, Leon Draisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you know, a few other guys go down the list um, and saying, you know, what do you think about this coach? Should we fire him? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't get the sense that that's, that's Ken Holland's, you know, modus operandi here. 
And, and, and that's where I think Jeff Jackson comes in and makes that perfectly clear that no, Connor McDavid wasn't getting the coach fired. No, Leon Dreisaitl wasn't getting the coach fired in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of them telling, uh, uh, you know, Jackson and, and, um, and Holland and, and other members of the uh, management group what to do, right? So I, it, it came off as, as kind of uh, odd and, 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 you know, didn't look great. But I think both things can be true. And I think that's uh, where, you know, Holland and, um, and Jackson were kind of separating things there. I'm not going to ask you about Dustin Schwartz. I'm saving you from that, Daniel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can, we can go there. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, I know that's a, a guy that Warriors uh, fans uh, have a love-hate relationship in, with, rather, and, and when the goals are going in, they, they really dislike. But, uh, you know, I'm not a goalie expert, and, and that's something maybe I can delve into a little bit. But uh, I will say... Stuart Skinner was stopping a lot of pucks last year. Um, he, you know, works with Tristan Jari and, and Connor Hart, uh, Carter Hart, excuse me, in the off season. And you know, they've had a lot of success in their careers at times too. I just find, you know, he's been here for a long time. He's been through a lot of coaches. Could could he be fired? Should he be fired? I don't know. You know, there's a case to be made, I suppose. But the, the, my point is that that goaltending is just so fickle. And I've, yeah. I've said this a lot. Where uh, there's both five, six, seven, not many guys that you can count on year after year, almost night after night. And, and obviously the Oilers are in the position, you know, with, with a $5 million goalie in the minor leagues and a, and a, a sophomore, sophomore goaltender who's, um, who's had, his, had his ups and downs uh, now seemingly, hopefully for the Oilers' sake, on the way up. Uh, it, it's, it's a tough position. It's a tough gig, and it's uh, especially a tough gig for a goaltending coach. So, um, yeah, Dustin Schwartz uh, isn't isn't perfect, but um, uh, should he be fired? I, I like it, it's 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 a tough it's a, that's a tougher one for me. Yeah, I think that's very fair. You've emptied my notebook. I have nothing left, uh, Daniel. Uh, so uh, thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy, and I hope you legitimately get a couple of days here with no major breaking news. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's only day one of a, of a new coach or, or one game of a new coach. We'll see what take, what game two brings tomorrow night. But, uh, uh, yeah, I've got a few other irons in the fire, but hopefully that'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll get a little time to work on some bigger picture things rather than, uh, than putting out fires like a, like, a, like a fireman here. Thanks. Appreciate it, Daniel. You're very welcome. Take care. All right. Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic. If you don't read him, you're missing out. He's a brilliant writer, and he gets to the heart of the matter. As Don Henley said, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440 and Twang Tuesday. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick. 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Linda Ronstadt with a fantastic version of Joni Mitchell's Brilliant River. It's a great album. Such a talented artist, Joni Mitchell. She had a birthday not long ago. Love to hear your thoughts on the Bruins, knowing you're a Bruins fan. I've been a Bruins fan since the Murray Oliver days. I don't think the Bruins know I exist, so I don't know about that. But what I do know is that I've been a Bruins fan since Bobby Orr. And uh, it it's the Bruins are a team I can cheer for and I can, you know, watch. And I loved when they won in 2011 because... For the most part, they don't, they're not conflicting with the Oilers. They play in the, the other conference. And, um, I will tell you the first time they played together in a Stanley Cup final, I did not know who I'd cheer for until the first game. And then I knew I was an Oilers fan. 
Um, but I, the, my Bruins roots go back to Bobby Orr in the late sixties. And I was brokenhearted when John Beliveau scored a goal in the 69 playoffs and it was in overtime. And, um, Bruce McCurdy, if he's listening, will text out or tweet out what the date of it was. I think it was like April 4th, 69. Maybe that's a little later. I know in 71, they beat the Bruins too, which also really hurt. The Habs, man, they just, they ruin everything. God, I, now I'm, now I'm upset. Okay. Um, best line in Oh Brother, I'm with you, fellers. <laughs> Brian McGee. Sneaky way of not asking questions, LT. Well, that's how I do it. I go, I'm not going to ask you about this. And then Daniel is a very nice fellow. So he would graciously answer it. I think you're right, Al. Well, always read those. I think you're right, Al. The perceived disconnect between Ken and Jeff was just media over-analysis. Then Ken was referred more to the talking to guys in general. Uh, while Jeff was referring specifically to the coaching fire, there's no disconnect. But to be certain, Jackson is calling the big shots from Dunner in North Van. I think that's, I think that's true. I think that it's one of the things that happens with sports fandom now is people run ahead on things. I get, I get people who actively try to intimidate me into saying something about Dustin Schwartz. They text here. They go, why won't you just say it? I'm like, because I'm not going to say it if it's not true. You know, I'll make stuff up about Declan, but Dustin Schwartz is a fellow in the world who has a family. And for all I know, all I ever hear about him is that he's a really good goalie coach and he's well regarded. Uh, and he coached, um, many successful players, Lauren Brassois, uh, Tristan Jari and Jr., uh, Cam Talbot had a hot streak in 1617. And, then he, they overplayed him. That's the head coach, not the goalie coach. Stuart Skinner was a finalist for the Calder Trophy last year. These are things that actually, ha- you know, exist. Remember, when you're mad at, at Stuart Skinner and you're mad at Dustin Schwartz, you're doing it at a very small sample size. And some of the people who are mad are people who know this. So I just, I think it's a narrative. I think there's a, there's a group of fans who just like to bitch and moan or create a ruckus and that's fine do whatever you want but i'm not buying in i'm just not going to i just i think it's i think it's it would be it would be reckless for somebody who is uh, a broadcaster to to go after a a, a, a a coach or anybody uh without any evidence at all and i don't have any evidence he coached he was the goalie coach for the calder finalist Stuart skinner a year ago dustin schwartz resume is strong how does an agent go to be a CEO position? Like some insight. Well, this has happened quite a bit. Agents end up being GMs or whatever the case may be. CEO maybe is a little unusual. But there's reasons behind this. I've said this before, and I don't think it should be out of place. Uh, Daryl Cates hired Jeff Jackson probably partly because it might improve the chances of signing Connor McDavid long term. I don't think that's bad business. He's the best player in the world. You know, I told this story yesterday. I'll tell it again. Bill Torrey is regarded as one of the greatest general managers in history. And he was worried. He knew his team was going to draft first overall in 73. He knew that Dennis Potvin was going to be the guy and that he would be a major, major part of the build towards a Stanley Cup. 
And so he needed to sign him. He knew he could draft him. He needed to sign him. And the WHA was coming with big money. So he traded for his brother, for Dennis's brother, Jean Potvin, from, I think, Philadelphia. They got him. They put him in the lineup. They played. And then they did sign Dennis Potvin. The WHA didn't get him. Sam Pollock tried to trade for the rights to Dennis Potvin, didn't get it. Bill Torrey stayed the course. And he got his guy, and he got him signed, and they won four, four, four Stanleys. Well, I, you know, Daryl, that you're 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 making a bet. That's all this is. That's all anything is. Making a bet. I'm going to have this strudel. It won't upset my stomach. That's a bet. I'm going to hire Jeff Jackson as CEO, and maybe Connor McDavid will sign in two years. That's a bet. I think it's a reasonable bet. What I don't understand is people are at an alarming rate now saying, well, McDavid runs the show now. Ah, it's all ruined. Daryl Cates hired Jeff Jackson to improve the chances of getting another seven or eight year deal with Connor McDavid. How on H-E double hockey sticks is that a bad idea? How? How? Tell me, please. Well, he's getting to run the show. If it gets him signed here instead of Toronto, because I'll tell you what, if he signs in Toronto, you are going to be madder than a little bit. You're going to be mad as hell about it. So the hiring of Jeff Jackson, in a way, is an extremely astute move by an owner. But we don't get that because... Oiler fans are are aggressively unhappy. And there are just some Oiler fans who, who like to create a narrative and run with it. To be the the uh, the naysayer, the upsetter. It used to be that, that analytics was very powerful and people would talk about it and make uh, comments about it that were um, running parallel with what the analytics were saying. But we don't do that anymore. If we did, we wouldn't be talking about Dustin Schwartz after this many games uh, in the season because the experts tell me 20 games is required. Well, we're not at the 20 game mark, and Stuart Skinner is recovering. 964 or 934 save percentage at five on five in his last three games. But we don't do that anymore. We just, we find the loudest, the highest peak and the biggest trumpet, and we just trumpet what we, what we think. That's expertise. That gets you credibility. I'm not I'm not using facts, I'm not using logic, but I'm loud. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. All the Edmonton Oilers players try very hard. Connor McDavid probably gets a lot of input into things as he should. Daryl Cates hired Jeff Jackson to improve the chances that he'd sign here. I don't think any of those things are worthy of conviction. Not the way you think of it, I think Daryl Cates has conviction to, you know, go and win. He's driven by that. But I don't think he should be convicted for it. I think it's funny how upset people seem to be because of the new head coach having McDavid and juniors. You know, Connor McDavid is the only hockey player to have played for a coach in junior and the NHL. Yeah. Hey, LT, I'm driving through Turtleford, Mr. Bleach. Yes. Well, that's beautiful country right there. One Years ago, well, not that long ago, I had a dream of buying a uh, 
a place at uh, Turtle Lake. It is so beautiful there. I was going to retire there, and then you would have been rid of me. Then fourteen forty came calling. Well, you, you a lot of things changed, and you know, just life is kind of strange the way it works. And I think that you end up. You know what I think you end up doing as a parent is you end up living where your kids are. I think that's what you do. I trash analytics all the time. LOL. <laughs> well, it does inform. I, I will say that. I, I'm, I, I would rather know what the analytics say. I love that song, guys. That was from the, the 24 break. What was that, Johnny, John Denver? Or what was that? No, I think that was when we played Navajo Rug by oh, Ian Tyson, wow. which is an all-time Canadian classic. I have that song on my phone, and I'll still listen to it from time to time. Great I met song. Ian Tyson and Sylvia Tyson, but not at the same time. Wow. Yeah. There's a story behind that. Well, the, I was, Ian Tyson um, wrote some of the great, great songs of the 60s and 70s, and legendary Alberta artist. And uh, Sylvia Tyson wrote some great songs, too, you know. They're very talented, and they lived through a, a, a very interesting time in music. Here's some analytics for you. I bought a beer for 15 bucks at the game last night. Cates is winning no matter what. But, but you made the choice, right? Don't you, doesn't your generation pre-drink at all? Yeah, no, definitely. Well, then what are you bitching about? Yeah, but I don't, like, I mean, I don't think you pre-drink for an Oilers game on a Monday. That's one where you have a single beer or maybe two to enhance the experience. You're not turning all the way up. You're not Lil John and the Eastside Boys, you know? You're just a guy on a Monday watching some hockey. Yeah, so you save it for the weekend? Yeah, generally. You ever been in a fight? Well, yes. <laughs> People want to call you the Luger. I don't know. It sounds a little bit, little bit too much like Lugie to me. We're going to have to continue this tomorrow. I'm saying that the, the nickname conversation is going to have to we, carry on until tomorrow. Part, part of, um, part of this is that we got derailed because I started getting mad at trucks. So that did happen. Ty, the same people trying to run Schwartz out of town also wanted to trade for Carter Hart, who is trained by Dustin Schultz. Well, there you go. What a great way to wrap up the show. Holy mackerel. I'd be a fool, a fool, to continue talking. So I won't. Thanks so much for joining us on The Lowdown. Jason Greger is on the way next, and it's time for a sports update.